You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners. Are you ready to put into practice the things that you've heard about on this podcast? I'm talking about going out there and getting out of your comfort zone, expanding your network, your worldviews, expanding your horizons, maybe doing things for the first time like practicing yoga, like climbing a volcano, like going surfing, like not doing any of that and actually taking some time for yourself for once. Look, I'm here to tell you about Under 30 Experiences, the travel company for young people for ages 21 to 35, which I'm the co-founder of. I would love to see you someplace awesome in the world. I'm talking about Bali, Indonesia. I'm talking about Peru and Machu Picchu, the rainforest of Costa Rica, the beaches of Nicaragua, snorkeling in Belize with sharks. I'm talking about experiencing the culture of Mexico and Tulum. How about a volcano in Iceland? How about the beautiful green emerald isle of Ireland? Maybe going up to Scotland with us to experience massive waterfalls. Come to Paris. Hang out at the state we have rented. Look, I don't need to sell you on this stuff. The trips are amazing. I'm on my way to France. Then I'm going to Colombia. Later, I will be in Peru and Costa Rica. Come hang out under30experiences.com. Peace out. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we are here with Howard Bihar, the former president of Starbucks, Starbucks North America, and Starbucks International. He personally saw the growth of Starbucks go from 28 stores to 15,000 stores, and along with CEO and founder Howard Schultz and their COO, CFO, Oren Smith, Howard made up the leadership team known as H2O that Starbucks uh, really, really thrived on, really became such an admired company uh, across the world. And he is the author of the new book, The Magic Cup, a business parable about a leader, a team, and the power of putting people and values first, one that I am, Howard, about 70% done with, my Kindle tells me, and uh, so I'm working on that one. It's a fun and, and quick read, and you're also the author of It's Not About the Coffee, Lessons on Putting People First from a Life at Starbucks. So, Howard, thank you. It's an honor to have you on. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here. It's, uh, it's been fun chatting with you already uh, before we started recording and uh, I really appreciate you asking about my business and what our uh, podcast is all about because you know that really tells that you're trying to uh, you're trying to figure people out and be here for the right reason and uh, it sounds like that's what you've done throughout your entire career is uh, really developed a deep understanding of people and been able to build uh, incredible company culture and uh, do things for the right reasons like I said so uh, yeah I really appreciate that Howard thank you well my pleasure it's you know it's I try to live my life according to my values and and that's how I evaluate myself, you know. I say at the end of the day, I want people to look at me and, and judge me on what I did or didn't do for people. That's, that's it. 
that's, nothing else. That's really cool. And uh, yeah, I've done a little bit of research on uh, ten the ten things that you have in your book. It's not about the coffee, um, which you know really sound a lot about your a lot like your core values. Uh, I wanted to ask you: Are these things that you wrote about in your book the same as your personal? core values or could you expand a little bit of, uh, about your values and uh, how you saw Starbucks uh, specifically fitting into those? Yeah, no, they, they have to fit. Uh, you know, not always are they identically the same, you know, because, you know, any organization, whether it be a company or a family or a nonprofit, might have a set of values that can be just a little bit different, but they have to fit together. There can't be big conflicts, you know. Uh, they, um, you can't have a you can't have a, a company that says, "Hey, it's okay to not quite tell the truth when telling the truth is really important to you." And so there's some there's some values that that have to be 100% aligned, but not everyone. So yeah, I live my life and I do live and I do my work according to those values. They're the one and the same. I found that, it, you know, life is really one continuous loop or circle. You can't uh, you can't wear one hat for work and one hat at home and one hat with your parents and one hat with your friends. It all has to be the same hat, no, which represents I, who you are. That that's amazing, and I, I'd really like to get uh, back to that concept of one hat leadership, as you call it. Uh, but first, I wanted to ask, just to frame our conversation a little bit, just in case our listeners out there are not familiar with the core values of Starbucks. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners like to support independent coffee shops and they think, oh God, Starbucks, uh, another one. Do I want to support this guy? I'd rather give my money to mom and pop, et cetera. <laughs> but yeah, could, you talk sure. a little, could you talk a little bit about uh, the, the core values of Starbucks for a second? Sure. Well, you know, the, the mission of Starbucks goes like this. Uh, Basically, it's to be one of the most well-known and respected organizations in the world, known for nurturing and inspiring the human spirit. So I'll repeat it, to be one of the most well-known and respected organizations in the world. Now, lots of companies could say that, uh, but at the time that we wrote that statement, we are a company of about 200 stores. We had no idea that we would become what we have become. Uh, in terms of being around the world. But the second statement, that the one that really had meaning to us, was to be known for nurturing and inspiring the human spirit. It says nothing about the size of the company. It says nothing about coffee. It doesn't say a word about how much money we wanted to make, any of those things. It all had to do with what, who, what we wanted to do for people, and it's to nurture and inspire spirits, both the people that worked in the company and the people that we are serving, those people we call our customers. So that was the driving force behind Starbucks. And then, of course, we had guiding principles. The first one being is that we uh, treat each other with respect and dignity. And the last one being that we recognize that profitability is essential to our future growth and success. But that was not the driving force. Making money was never the driving force. Sure, we had to make an adequate return on investment. But primarily, it was about treating people with respect and dignity and always doing the right thing with for our people. And we saw serving our people as the most important thing that we could ever do, because if we got that right, then we knew that they would do a good, good job of serving the people that come into our stores. 
Okay, that, that really makes sense. And nurturing and inspiring the human spirit. Uh, could you elaborate on how Starbucks actually does that? I mean, I can think off the top of my head, of course, how you, you bring people together in community and it's a place, it, it becomes more than just a place to pick up a cup of coffee. Uh, yeah. Could, yeah, could you elaborate sure. on that a little I bit? Mean, it, it begins with the minute that they, that how we treat treat. The, our pe the people that work in the organization. How do we pay them? We've given health care benefits since almost the very beginning to all of our people, part-time workers or full-time workers. Everybody got equity in the company. Everybody got, as a matter of fact, and now they can get a couple of years of college um, online to get their degree if they've had a few couple of years of college already and didn't graduate. So it's, it's serving those people in more than just giving them compensation but serving them in a way that is is in wholeness to their lives. And when we do that, then our people are enabled to, to serve our customers in the same way, of treating them with respect, with dignity, knowing their name if possible, knowing their drinks, uh, people coming into our stores. You don't have to buy a thing and you could sit in Starbucks all day long, read a newspaper or study. You can just be there. And it has become... It has become not it, not just a cup of coffee, but more importantly, a place for people to to live their lives and to be part of a community. So it's 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 a holistic way of looking at our world, and that when we when we serve our own people well, when we serve each other, then that can't help but serve the people that comes into our stores. And it's the little things that matter. It's you know. We never say no if a customer doesn't like a drink. We just remake it, you know, without even without a question. Um, when uh, when we know their name or know their drink, by the time they get to the front counter, their drink is ready. You know, that's when we're doing really doing it right. Does that happen all the time? No, but we want that to happen. So it's it's just putting people first. It's and it's doing it with with tremendous care and respect. It's not manipulative. It is it is real, and it's because we care about people. That's that's great to hear, uh, Howard. I, I'm curious about the guiding principles and how someone who is listening right now, whether they uh, are a whether they're part of an organization. Uh, larger than themselves, or they're just a, a solo entrepreneur, or someone who is a freelancer, or or really anybody out there, someone who's told completely unemployed. Right? This this really should not matter. Uh, but how can people go about developing their own set of guiding principles? Well, you know, the most important person you're ever going to have to lead in your life is yourself. You know, we all get caught up. I call it leadership with a small L. Leadership, or leadership with a capital L, excuse me, but and but the, and the other kind of leadership is learning how to lead organizations and all the all the formal stuff. But the most important person you're ever going to have to lead is you. And in order to do that, you need to understand who you are, and that means that you have to define who you are as a person. What are your values? What's your personal mission statement? How do you want to live your life every day? What are your goals? What's your mission in life? You know. All those things matter. And I have sitting in front of me a piece of paper that I call Howard in 50 words or less. And on it has my personal mission. It has my core values. And then it has how I do everything. And uh, that drives me. That 
keeps me aligned every day with what's really important to me. And ever, any human being can do this work. It's not easy because you have to be thoughtful about it. So, you know, probably if I asked all your listeners, everybody that's listening today, uh, are you an honest person, which is my first core value, honesty. Yeah, they, everybody would say, yes, I'm an honest person. But if I dug a little deeper and I said, so what does honesty mean to you? How does it inform your life? How does it inform the decisions you make? And how does it inform your actions? What will you lie about? What won't you lie about? Because everybody tells little white lies now and then. Sure, sure. And so you really have to be thought, thoughtful about, about those things. My other core values is trust in self and others. So when I think about that, I, I want to, I give trust before I get trust. That means I automatically assume that Matt is trustworthy before, you know, you and I have never personally met. We've only met here over the, over Skype, but I trust you when you told me what you did. I trust you're telling me the truth until you prove that you're not. And so each of, each of those values, not only, it's not just a word, but it's an action. And so each individual that's listening today can sit down and think about what their eight core values might be. And you can go online, you can find a list of 300 human values. And you can, out of those 300, you can choose to get down to eight or 10 or 20, whatever you like. And then, then you figure out how those values inform your life and, and how they inform the actions and the decisions you make, because otherwise they're just words. Okay, excellent. That uh, that sounds really good. I, I highly suggest anybody listening to go and, uh, I mean, there, there's so much value in just sitting quietly and writing down who you think you are or who you would like to become. Uh, there, there, yeah. There's so much value in that. And then, do, so is this something that you read every day to yourself? You probably have it memorized at this point, if that's the case, uh, because I want to move towards our discussion on one hat leadership and becoming your authentic self. So how do you, how do you reinforce this? Is this something on I, your mirror every day? It's, I have it everywhere I go, it is. So I've got it under my briefcase, my iPad, my iPhone, and on my computer. So I carry it with me all the time. Now, I've been doing this for f over 40 years. Wow. For, for closing in on 50 years. So it's, you know, I, I've changed things over time. I've adjusted things to, to make them more in, aligned with where I, was, where I am and where I was at the particular time. But, yeah, I have to have it with me all the time. And the, there's a reason for it. As human beings are incredibly fragile, we're, uh, we're inclined to, when things are going really well, to think that they're always going to go well, or when things are going bad, that they're going to go bad forever. And so I have found that that I have to keep it in front of me all the time so that I don't forget. Yeah, I know it by heart. Yeah, no question. But that, That's great. Where, where did you get the idea or where did you? Sounds like it could have been a Napoleon Hill thing or one of the old school great leadership coaches. Uh, Absolutely. It's been a lot of people. Napoleon Hill. It's been uh, uh, Stephen Covey, uh, uh, newer ones. But when I was my mid-20s, uh, I had a conflict in a place that I worked, and I, I realized that I didn't know who I was, and, and so I couldn't deal with the conflict very effectively. 
Uh, and so I decided that I was going to change and I was going to learn about myself. And so I just I read a book that talked about doing this, about starting with your mission, then your core values and then how you do everything. And then also developing a one, three and five year plan for your life. And so I just started working on it. At first, it wasn't easy. It was very difficult. And then I wanted to bring my wife and my family into it. And so we created a one, three, and five-year plan. And then in my bedroom, in our bedroom, we have um, a, a statement of purpose for our marriage. So we never forget. And we look at it every day, and it sits right on the wall next to our marriage license. Wow, that's, so that's fantastic. It's living a life with intention is what I call it. And life is short. It goes by fast. You know I have a quote in my office wall that says, if you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. And it's so true. And so I just want to know where I'm going. Do I always accomplish everything on my list? No, I don't. Do I sometimes uh, get out of sync with my values? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes forget my mission? Yes, I do. But I always have a way to get back to it. And it always keeps me aligned. That That's great. That, that's great. And, and I would say that People in my generation, the millennials, the Gen Y, the, the young college graduates, so many people are in this figuring it out stage and they might not know where they're going and they might just be on any path and then tomorrow they just might have to change that path because things aren't going right for them or, or they get bored or we have shorter attention spans uh, now today with the, in the age of technology. Uh, I'm curious how a young person can decide where they're going in today's day and age. Well, look, nothing is written in stone. I've had, let's see, how many careers have I had? One, two, three, four, five different careers. So, you know, some came along, I had goals, and, you know, Starbucks was accidental. Somebody, I was president of a land development company. I'd made a decision. I wasn't, I was going to get out of corporate life, and I was going to start my own small business. And along the way, I met this young guy named Howard Schultz through a friend. And he was looking for somebody, and over about a year's period of time, we had a dance, to, we danced together, and we made a decision to, you know, to get married, so to speak. And, but I didn't know it was going to happen, but... But I was prepared, and it did fit my mission, and it did fit my values. And so, you know, the decision, you know, I made the decision. They made a decision to invite me to join, and I made a decision to accept the invitation. And so, look, no, there's no—you don't have to live decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life. It's just— Thinking about what do you want to do, if you, just if you want to do one year at a time, fine. But at least have a plan for that year or one month. What are you going to do this next month? You sure. Know? And thinking about it constructively. And, you know, mission statements, you know, they're broad. They're, they're things that are really about you. They, they appeal to your spirit. It's what gives you purpose in life. And those things can change, but they don't usually much. I mean, I basically play, I had through the years, I had some different ones, but finally I, you'll see my mission statement. I basically plagiarized Starbucks because it fit me so perfectly. I said, that's who I want to be. And that was the one I developed 25 years ago to live my life every day, nurturing, inspiring the human spirit of myself and others. The reason I say myself is I've learned in life that if you don't take care of yourself emotionally and physically, very difficult to help anybody else. But that drives my life. 
And it doesn't make any difference whether I'm selling a cup of coffee or widgets or what I'm doing. That mission holds. Sure, and, sure. And so I, you know, I hear a lot of times from young people, well, God, I want flexibility in my life. You know, I don't want to have to do, you know, write it down and then I have to do it. Who said you have to do it? You want to change what's on your goals or you want to change your values? Change them anytime you want. Now, you know, I believe that values are kind of, you know, they should be long-term in nature. But if something's not fitting you or it's not really something you want to live by, then change it. But better to have a plan and live your life with some intention than not. And I don't care whether you're in high school, whether you're in college or you got your first job. What is it you're trying to do? Let's say that you go to work for Starbucks. So Starbucks wants something from you, right? Wants your energy, your skills, your passion, et cetera. Well, what do you want from Starbucks? Well, I want to learn new skills. I want to be, I know that Starbucks has really good leadership development programs. I want to become a really good leader. I want to learn about market, whatever it is, but write it down and then have a plan for how you're going to get it because it's, you're much, you're, there's a much better chance of you getting what you want if it's written down than if it isn't. I, I completely agree. And uh, I love how you talk about taking care of yourself emotionally and physically and you worked yourself into your own mission statement. We all talk about doing something greater than ourselves, but then we completely forget about ourselves and uh, then we can serve, then we can serve nobody. And uh, I was wondering how in a fast pace, uh, high growth environment, you know, seeing, seeing Starbucks grow from 28 stores to 15,000, how did you how were you able to take a step back and be able to take care of yourself, both emotionally and physically? Well, you know, I worked hard, long hours and traveled a lot, but I had to take care of myself because if you don't do that, then you're not going to be very good at your work. So I just, you know, I had my personal mission and my values and, and then I had how I do everything in life, which I call my six P's. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. But it's, it's a matter of holding yourself accountable to what you say matters to you. And I don't care where you're working. I don't care how many hours you work. You can always find time to do that. Sometimes it's on an airplane, just closing your eyes and meditating. You know, sometimes you're, you know, when I was traveling all over the world, sometimes I would just go for a walk in the city to get lost, right, to not know where I was. And that would force me to be in the present, right? When you get lost, sure. you've got to be in the present. And so I would do little, I'd do that with myself and that helped me. And then I, you know, I spent my life when I talk about helping others that I want to be judged by what I did or didn't do for others. That's how I live my life at Starbucks. You know, I didn't, you know, did I have to produce results? Yes. But that was not my reason for being. Sure. No, that, that sounds, that, that sounds like amazing advice. Howard, do you have a, a consistent meditation practice? Pretty consistent, yeah. It's, I used to be more disciplined about it than I am now, but but yes, I do. But I find sometimes just closing my eyes and 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 just shutting all thought down, you know, for ten minutes in a day, that really makes a difference. Sure, it doesn't take much. Doesn't take much. I'll tell you about. Let me tell you about my six P's because this might help your audience a little bit. So it's basically how I do everything in my life. So everything I do has to be with a purpose greater than myself. So it doesn't make any difference what I do. It's, it's got to be greater than myself. So I have to find a connection between what I'm doing and the person that I'm serving. 
And I look for that. It, you know, and selling some people would say, well, what's the, what, how can selling a cup of coffee have a purpose greater than yourself? Because when we sold a cup of coffee, I didn't ever believe that we were filling bellies. I thought we were filling souls. Because you can go a lot of places and get a cup of coffee for a lot less than Starbucks sold it for. But I always thought we're going to do it in a right way to make help somebody have a better day. And that required me to really be in tune with that person that was in front of me that day. I had to put my antenna up and make a decision. Do they just want a hot cup of coffee with no conversation? Or do they want to share something that happened to them today that, that either made them feel bad or made them feel great and they just wanted somebody to share it with? So purpose greater than myself. The second thing is if you have a purpose greater than yourself, then you darn well better be passionate about it. Tell it from the highest mountains. Yell it, scream it, you know. Tell everybody what your passion, why you're passionate about your purpose. And that requires you being excited and enthusiastic about it. And it doesn't make any difference what you're doing. You can be excited and enthusiastic about it. The third P is everything I do, I've got to do with persistence. Because what I've learned in life is there's roadblocks everywhere you turn. There's rocks in every river that you're going to go down. There's, there's trees in your way in every forest. And so you got to learn how to get around them, over them, under, or cut them down, or, or whatever. But you got to be persistent. That word describes every great entrepreneur, persistence. They just don't know from no. They never give up. Then the fourth P, patience. Patience is important because not everything comes in the time that you want it to come. And so you have to exercise patience. It took me a long time to learn that, really until I had grandchildren. They really teach you patience because they hold you accountable. And so patience is really important. And, you know, I have to look in the mirror every night and, 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 and say, how did I do today? And that goes to my fifth P, which is performance. Performance counts in this world. No excuses to yourself or others make up for performance. So I look every night when I, before I go to bed, I look at myself in the mirror and say, how did I do today? Did I live up to my mission and my values? You know, am I moving myself towards my goals or away from my goals? And we don't like that word performance. Human beings hate to be measured. But the most important person that you're ever going to have to perform for is you. So, you know, and you have other people that you can't let down. So performance counts. And it's a big struggle in our country today. And we see it everywhere. You know, uh, students don't want to be measured by their teachers. Teachers don't want to be measured by their uh, principals. Principals don't want to be measured by their superintendents. And we're struggling in schools because we don't want to be measured. But I got news for you. You're going to be measured the rest of your life. You get married, your spouse is going to measure you, right? It may not be, uh, you know, she may or he may not say anything to you right then, but it, it is maybe sometimes it's unsaid measurement, but it is. You go to work for a company or an organization, you're going to be measured. And so that's the way it is. You've got to live up to what you say you're going to do in life. If you commit to making something happen, making taking the garbage out, then that and, you, and that's an agreement you made with your significant other or spouse, then you darn well better to be taking the garbage out. So performance counts. And then the sixth P, the most important P, is everything you do in life has got to be about serving people. People are at the core of everything we do. There is no job description other than server of people that any of us should ever have. I don't care if what it says on your card, president, director, it doesn't make any difference how creative you are. There's really only one purpose any of us have, and that's to serve people. And that's how I try to live my life.
That's that's fantastic, and I'm I'm so happy to hear your old school mentality on performance, especially in the day and age where everyone gets a trophy and uh, everyone needs a pat on the back for their their participation. I noticed participation was not one of your P's. It was actually oh. showing up and, and performing. So Yeah, performing. Yeah. yeah. Just being there doesn't count. Right, right. They say that, that, again, it's only half the battle is showing up. People, people forget that the other half of the battle is actually putting the, uh, putting the rubber to the road. Uh, so that's, that's, that's great, Howard. I, I wanted to actually ask you about one of your P's, uh, yeah. which you said that you struggled with until you were a grandfather. How can right. the rest of us learn about patience before we are grandparents? <laughs> right. How do you do it now, right? Sure. Well, I always was impatient with myself. It had a double edge, right? Part of that was good because I was driving myself. But the other part was bad because sometimes people don't come along with you as fast as you want them to come along. We were, you were talking today about people and the struggles you have in your own organization. Sometimes we as leaders have to have more patience than we would like. Sometimes people just don't get there as fast as we think they should. And great leaders try to determine whether it's just a matter of patience or whether it's a matter of somebody just not being able to do the job or not wanting to do the job. And so it's, you know, I like to say patience pays. You know, when you're out looking for us, you know, this is something particularly for young people. If you've if you if decided that you want to have a significant other in your life, it takes patience to find the right person. You don't just walk down the street and say, gee, I'll take that one. Right. right. You have the patience of getting to know each other really deeply, of seeing each other's strengths and seeing each other's weaknesses, about what each other's values are, about what each other is tr trying to achieve in their life. And that takes patience. It just doesn't happen overnight. And, um, you know, you also have to have patience with yourself. Right. Every goal that I set in my life, I didn't always achieve in the time frame that I was going to achieve it. But that the previous word, persistence, taught me that patience and persistence go together. Persistence says you don't give up. Patience says you're willing to stay with it in, until you can get there. And so, you know, you don't have to wait till you're 70 or 60 or 55 like I was when I had grandchildren. And um, you, can, you can develop it yourself. Now, you know, I'm not saying patience is procrastination. Not patience as an excuse, but patience as a way to looking at and asking yourself the question, is it just around the corner for me? or And should I have the patience to just keep working out until it comes? No, I, I think that's, that's fantastic uh, advice, especially, well, you're talking to someone who can be quite impatient at times. And as a leader, you... It, it, you understand the vision often better than the people around you who you're trying to get to see the vision. And I'm wondering in a fast and whose And whose responsibility is that? So that if is, your people don't understand the vision, you need to go home and you need to look in the mirror when you're asking yourself, did I perform? Because part of performance of a leader is getting people and helping people to understand the greater purpose of your organization. See, culture is everything is everything. 
in an organization. I don't care whether it's, a, again, whether it's a family or for-profit or not-for-profit. And part of culture is everybody being aligned and understanding and attaching to the greater purpose of the organization. I completely agree. And how, how, can, I, how can I do that? How can I get people to see the vision? Because uh, it's not easy to perform as a leader. And uh, yeah, can, can you help me with that at all? Absolutely. What's the best way we learn? It's to, te- it's to we learn from stories, right? Okay. And stories help us understand purpose. And so uh, you basically, each organization has a story. You were telling me before we got on the air about your, your, your story, right? It was sure. a story of why you did what you did, where you came from, how you learned, what you, you know, what you did. And that's a story. So each, each organization, each leader has a story. If all it is is about money, that's not a story. That doesn't mean we don't want to make money. But if that's your driving force, you're never going to get people. Yeah, they all attach to the purpose, but it'll be just about making money. And that never holds any organization together. That's what gets companies in trouble. Remember this? what's happened lately with Wells Fargo? Sure. You know, they forgot why they were there. They thought they were there to add products you know, to sell. They're not there to sell. They're there to serve. And and the goal isn't to get everybody to take something you have that you want to sell. The goal is to help people have a better life. And sometimes your products fit and sometimes they don't. And, you know, and so, um, you know, th- I forgot where I was going there. Your, your question again. Sorry. No, that's, o- that's okay. Uh, I am just trying to oh stories right yeah pick it okay so yeah go ahead okay so so what's the story of your organization so uh, let me give you an example when i uh i had responsibility for north america starbucks and when it hit about 400 stores i pitched the board to to take starbucks outside of north america well you know i i really didn't care that much more about opening another store or selling another cup of coffee per se right i what I needed something that was bigger than that, and I wanted something that I thought would unite a group of people inside the organization. So I went one day from having, giving, give or take, 10,000 people reporting to me to the next day, nobody, zero, didn't even have an administrative assistant. And I had to go out and recruit people, and I did it all internally, basically. And it was amazing how hard it was to get people to, to bite. That we were going to take people outside, we we're going to take Starbucks outside of North America because they're all worried about their resumes. And so, so what I my story was this: I wanted to use Starbucks coffee as a bridge among people. I wanted to be able to take Starbucks coffee around the world and have Starbucks coffee be that bridge between people, no matter what culture or what country they lived in. And that's what we went out to do. And that's how I recruited everybody. I said, you know, we're not just going out to just open a bunch of stores or sell a bunch of coffee. We're going to change the world in which we live by using Starbucks to be that bridge of people having conversations, of being by themselves, about reading newspapers or whatever it happened to be, about having a better life. And so whether we did that in Kuwait City, whether we did it in London, whether we did it in Paris, whether we did it in Tokyo, whether we did it in South Africa, it doesn't make any difference. It had to be the same reason. And that's what drove us. And that became our story, that we were bridge builders. I between can... Yeah, no, I was just going to say that I can... I can 
totally see how that would uh, bring people together because at a certain point, 400 stores, you're probably thinking, well, okay, we can, we can continue doing what we're doing or we can look to expand our mission and expand our goal and, and not just bring people together domestically. Well, let's, let's do this all over the world. Uh, yeah, in a, pla a place like Kuwait City, I can, I can totally see how uh, people could get, get behind that. Um, uh, Howard, I wanted to go back a little bit just to backtrack uh, to authenticity and yeah. how someone, when they know their values and they have them written down, how they can live them through and through every day and be courageous enough to make the difficult decisions to stay true to their values and how they can go about taking on this principle and living through this principle of one hat leadership? Well, you know, it's number one, I tell, told everybody what my mission and what my values were. So anybody that reported to me or in the organization, they always knew where I was and what mattered, what I felt mattered. And that didn't mean they had to agree with everything or they had to have my same ones. But they needed to understand where I came from. And they knew that I would always do my best to live up to those things. Did I do it always perfectly? Hell no, I didn't. I made lots of mistakes. Did I always treat people with respect and dignity? You know, sometimes I didn't. But I always knew where I was. And I always went up and went and cleaned up my messes to make sure that and asked for forgiveness. Because we all make mistakes. But authenticity, you know, basically it just means you are who you are. And people know what to expect because you have told them what they can expect. And then you live up to that. And you invite them to hold you accountable. Because, you know, they, they have a right to measure your performance just like you're measuring their performance. You know, and uh, that, that has to be part of the, that's part of the deal. That's part of the agreement I made with everybody that worked in my organization, in our organization. That, you know, they could hold me accountable to the things that I said were important. And, you know, and they did. And I, I welcomed it because I wanted to get better. And, and, you know, the truth of the matter is when I screwed up, I knew I had, screwed, I had made a mess. I very seldom did I ever do something that I wasn't aware of myself. Sometimes, but not very often. And I'd go home at night and I'd be so mad at myself looking in the mirror. And, um, and so, you know, I had to, I had to hold myself accountable. And I had to be, you know, that goes to that authenticity, being who you are, living who you are every day. Sure, sure. And, and what if you write down a set of values that you uh, hope to be or that you want to be, and then you say, well, I'm not really there yet. Uh, you can certainly give yourself an audit in the mirror every day, uh, but do sure. you have any other strategies on how you can really make sure you get to that point of becoming the person that you want to be? Well, number one, see it in the affirmative. I never wrote anything down that said someday I want to be. I put down, I am an honest person. I always treat people with fairness. I always respect myself and others. I always take responsibility. I, I live my life with integrity. I always trust self and others. I care for all people and I love all people. So the it's uh, did I do it all the time? 
Was I perfect when I wrote these things down? No. But you have to see things in the affirmative. You have to see things in, in the way that uh, it, it already is before you can become it. Because when you say, someday I'm going to be honest, that someday uh, just um, uh, you know may never happen because it, it, you really are not seeing it in the completed way. And, uh, you know, I just believe in, in, you know, it's a never-ending process. It's a never-ending journey. And, uh, and that journey, you know, you're going to be on the rest of your life. I used to think that when I was 30 years old that, you know, someday, you know, when I'm 70 or 65, when I retire, it'll all, I'll have it all down. Man, everything will be easy. And my values, I'll just I live my life perfectly. Uh, my six Ps, I'll do it all the time. And my mission, you know, it'll just be a slam dunk. And what I found is that at 72, which I am now, that's not the way that life is. You work on yourself for the rest of your life. It's an endless journey. So whether you're 22, you're 30, whether you're 50, whether you're 60 or you're 70 or you're 100, you're going to be working on yourself for the rest of your life. And when you stop working on yourself, that means somebody's starting to put the nails in the box. Yep, yep. It, it, it certainly, certainly sounds like it. Do you have any good stories for us that you might want to share about a, 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 lesson, a lesson learned in, in becoming who you really are? Sure. I'll give you a personal lesson. So uh, Lynn and I have been married for going on 40 years. So about 10 years ago, I'm an A-type personality. I... I I love getting things done, and I'm I'm always been driven. Lynn is driven, but in a different way. She's an oncology social worker, so she what things that she does are in the moment, you know, and uh, that's how she has to live her life. And uh, you know, uh, she because she's dealing with people that are dying of cancer, you know, and with the fam with her, her fam, those families, so. She has to live in the moment. So, but I was always pushing Lena. What are you going to accomplish? You know, are you going to write that book? Da 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 da. And one night we just had a blow up over it because she said, "You're trying to make me live life like you want to live it, not like I want to live it." And so we had a huge argument that night. And I think it was the first time that in our marriage that we looked at each other and said, "Maybe we're not right for each other," or something. And I went to bed that night and I woke up about two o'clock in the morning. And I just started thinking, I said, Howard, what the hell is wrong with you? You have your mission state written down, your values. And yet, what, you know, it was to, to live my life every day, nurturing and inspire the human spirit of myself and others. Was I really nurturing and inspire the human spirit of Lynn? Or was I trying to get her to do what I wanted her to do? And I woke her up that night and I said, honey, I'm sorry, you're right. You have to live your life the way you want to live it, not the way that I want you to live it. And, you know, sometimes that happens in our lives, you know, and it was a good lesson for me. And uh, and I had to suck it up. I had to be authentic about where I'd made a mistake and 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 she mattered to me. And and so I sucked it up and I, I, she was right. I was wrong. Well, it's uh, it's never easy to admit. So I appreciate you. You telling that story. Uh, there's there's certainly believe. Yeah, a lot, lot to be learned. A lot, a lot to be learned to be able to swallow your pride like that. So, and uh, hopefully, 
Hopefully, the rest of us don't have to wait until we're grandparents to figure that one out either. You don't. You can work on it now. If you're 15 years old or if you're 12, you can start working on this. There's no age. There's nothing. I wish somebody would have gotten me when I was just a little kid and saying, here's some things you need to think about and let me help you with them. Because you can start working on all of it now. There's nothing holding any of us back. You can sit down and a month or two period of time, you can write a mission statement, you can write out your core values and how you want to do things in your life. And you can create a, a little one-year plan of action plan for yourself with a couple of specific goals. And you'll get better at it as time goes on. It will be, it, it will be easier for you and you'll understand it better and, and it won't be so difficult. But you don't need to wait. I, I completely agree. Howard, if... Uh... If you come across someone, whether in your personal life or maybe in your organization, who needs to do some work on themselves and who needs to take a look at their values and who, yeah, how do you approach that with someone? Well, first, first you got to ask permission, right? And usually it was people that reported to me, you know, it was that kind of thing or it might have been relatives you know but i would always ask permission to coach that's how i'd say you know can i have permission to coach and here's what i want to talk about is it okay with you and sometimes people would say you know i'm just not ready to talk about that yet so fine i'd leave it alone but if they said yes then i would talk about it and i would bring it up in in a way the things that i thought they should think about not necessarily what they should do, sometimes what they should do, and, but mostly if, here are some things you might want to think about, and here's why. And, and then I would say, I'm here to help you. If you're, if you're interested in going down this path, I'm here to help you. But, you know, that's how you do it. It's how you do it in life. It's how you do it with your kids. It's how you do it with your significant others or spouses, and it's how you do it at work. But you always got to ask permission. Sure, sure. And, and if you're, I, I'm curious if you're surrounded, uh, you know, we talk a lot uh, on the podcast about surrounding yourself with the right people. Uh, we do speak a lot about values and how to set themselves and uh, how to set them for yourself and uh, continue to follow through and through and surrounding people with, with similar missions and, and values. Uh, and I'm curious, in a huge organization, of course, you're going to have all different types of people um, and, you know, driven by different things. And especially if you are a publicly traded company and some of the uh, stakeholders, some of the shareholders in the organization, you know, maybe probably driven by a lot different things than uh, nurturing, inspiring the human spirit. I mean, that doesn't sound like Wall Street's mission to me. Uh, I'm curious how you dealt with that and if you had any any conflict uh, in that area. Well, you always have some conflict there, right? That, that's part of it. But remember, they're not it's it's stakeholders and you have you're doing you're you're doing things for each of the stakeholders communities in which you live the people that work in your organization your shareholders your suppliers whatever and they all want different things at different times as far as wall street goes those are just excuses now you got to perform right but i believe in the word optimizing profits versus maximizing See, Wall Street can get in this deal of the idea of maximizing. They want to get the most they can in the shortest amount of time. But you can't succumb to that because that's short-termism. 
And you got to be thinking about long term. Now you got to do what you say you're going to do. Performance matters. And sometimes you miss it, and you'll get, you know, people will forgive you. But if you miss it three or four times in a row, you know, you got a problem. And so, and that's just, you can't let them drive it. You can't let Wall Street drive your drive what you're doing. You have to tell Wall Street why you're doing what you're doing and how it, it be, they'll be rewarded in the long term. But yeah, you're right. There's conflicts. We used to have people tell us all the time, get rid of your health care for part-time workers. You don't need to spend all that money. And never once did we ever have a conversation about doing it. We used to say, hey, if you don't like that, that's our core values. Sell the stock. One of the best companies I know of and one of the best leaders I know of is a guy named Jim Senegal. Jim was one of the co-founders of Costco. And people were always pressuring him to lower his compensation and to do different things with his people. And Jim said, and also to raise his prices. And Jim used to just say, hey, look, you don't like this, sell the stock. As long as I'm performing, you need to get out of the way. I promise you we'll get the job done. And that's what it takes. You know, you know you're not... You, you, do you work for your shareholders? Yes, in a way you do. But you also work for your employees. You work for your communities. You work for your suppliers. It's everybody. And shareholders are one piece of it, not the only piece. Sure, and they need to have a cognizant <clears throat> understanding that they are investing in a company with the values of nurturing, inspiring the human yeah. spirit. And that's how you got there in the first place and if you are being measured upon your performance well then if you're performing at doing what you're saying following your yeah. your mission statement well yeah, then exactly. it should be it should be fine but yeah i can and you can look at wall street one you know they're just most of them are human beings they they want to hear the same stories that everybody wants to hear and you have to make sure they understand the story what your greater purpose is why you're doing what you're doing and you know that's not always easy you know, being a public company is not easy. I've been on four or five public company boards, and I've worked in three public companies. It is not easy. and uh, But you've got to perform. You've got to do what you say you're going to do. And I always believed in under-promising and over-delivering. Sure, that's that's fantastic ad ad advice. Uh, Howard, can you, can you tell us a little bit about the magic cup and your parable uh, about putting people and values First, and what people can learn from this story? Sure. Well, the Magic Cup was what was basically, for the most part, a true story, even though it's fiction and it it has a lot of Harry Potter-esque type things in it. But it was really about you know a leader uh, deciding that he wanted to take on the challenge of running a company and having his boss encouraging to do it. Not saying, hey, you have to stay with me. I don't want you to leave. But saying, yeah, you should take this opportunity. You're ready for it and encouraging him. And then it was a, a, fiction, a fictitious journey that he took in dealing with an organization that was led by somebody that didn't have values and how he had to deal with it in that journey. And all of us face those things, right? We'll work in it. Sometimes you'll go to work for a company that all of a sudden you realize, gee, this doesn't have the values that I thought it was going to have. And and is this really me for me or is it not? And you have to make a decision. You either make a decision to change it. Whoops. Oh, still there, Howard? Yeah, I'm here. Make a decision to, to change companies you're working for or to try to change the company in which you're working. But And that's what this guy did. His name was Steadfast. And he said, I'm here. 
uh, he had some doubts and he had some conflicts and and he had to deal with them and so he figured out his way through and eventually uh, you know was a success at it and that's what you have to do that goes back to patience and persistence but living according to your values well that's great and I'm uh, I'm enjoying the book myself like I said I'm about 70% uh, through with it Howard, if you had to wrap things up for everybody, for the young people who are listening out there, uh, the readers of under30ceo.com, uh, how would you, is there one piece of advice that you have overarching for, uh, for our listeners? Yes, that the way to, the pathway to success is in serving others. That no matter what you do, no matter what kind of business or organization you're in, and if you're an entrepreneur, the way you get there is by focusing on serving others, figuring out the people that you want to serve and then doing the best job humanly possible of doing that. The pathway isn't about being served. It's not about you making tons of money, although hopefully you'll do that. But, uh, but how you really get there is understanding and aligning your interests with the people that you're serving. And if you do that, you get the best chance of success. Howard, this has been an amazing chat today. It's really an honor to uh, to get to know you over the past hour, and uh, I, I really appreciate your time. Again, the book is The Magic Cup, a business parable about a leader, a team, and the power of putting people and values first, and of course, the classic uh, It's Not About the Coffee, Lessons on Putting People First from a Life at Starbucks. Is there any other links that uh, people might want to check out here to learn more? You can take a look, go to my website, uh uh, howardbihar.com and uh, I'm always open for if somebody wants to contact me my email address is hb at howardbihar.com hb at howardbihar.com I might be a little slow in responding but I'll always respond Howard I, I appreciate you giving that opportunity out there to our listeners I, I really appreciate it alright well great man thank you very much for having me I appreciate it yeah thank you yo Live Different Podcast listeners, you know what to do. You love the episode if you listened this far. Go to iTunes. Show us some love. Please, that's all we ask, a little five-star review. Just a little review. That's all we need. Send it to a friend who needs to get their ass in gear. We're trying to do good work here, and we need your help. Hey, you know what? Special offer. Send me an email personally. I will write back. Matt at under30experiences.com. I want to know your feedback. And then I want to meet you in person. Maybe our yoga retreat. Maybe our fitness retreat. Who knows? Check out under30experiences.com. Go do something awesome with your life.